Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of Adapt This. This episode, I'm joined by the Rob Logan for a very special, I would say, team-up book and movie from my childhood dreams, let's say. Rob brought in Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now, the book, which goes by that title, is the first volume of what is now going to be three. They just announced the third one not too long ago. Uh, Volume one was published from December of 2015 through May of 2016. And it was written by James Tinian IV and has art by Freddie Williams II. It was a joint publication from DC Comics and IDW Publications. The movie was released in March 2019, so it's pretty much brand new. The movie was directed by Jake Castorina. It was written by Marley Halpern Grazer. The movie stars Troy Baker, Rachel Bloom, Brian George, Eric Bauza, Darren Chris, Kyle Mooney, Baron Vaughn, and many, many others, as you'll learn by listening to the episode. I want to thank Rob for being our first repeat guest, although technically not really a repeat because the first episode he was in didn't really follow this format. And I know I was excited to have him on, and I believe he was just as excited to be able to partake in the official Adapt-A-Piece Theater, Booster-Piece Theater, uh, voice acting theater, whatever we're going to end up calling it. We're still brainstorming names, but it's a great one. Very moody. I love it. As always, if you ever want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter at Adapt This, or you can email us directly, the direct line. It's like a big red email thing, kind of like a big red phone, but not. It's just a you, you get the reference. You get where I'm going with this. Um, you can always email us at adaptthispodcast at gmail.com. And remember, if you want to support the show, you can do so by coming right over um, to my Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash Booster Greg. Uh, I'm there. Rusty's there. You probably hear him rummaging in the background somewhere. Anyways, I hope you enjoy this as much as we did recording this. And let's fire up the theme song as we always do. And talk about Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Hey, Rob. Hey, Greg. You know I waited until you took a big drink of yeah, water. Yeah, of course. Until I said that, yeah. Thank you for being on. You are the first reoccurring guest. This is apparently I a theme I have on podcasts. So first guest, uh, first time with this, or first reoccurring guest, first time with this format. So it's going to be great. Um, while people are really taking that last sentence in, and obviously they know your voice, obviously they know who you are, the Rob Logan of Geek Generation. Oh, yeah, obviously Fame. everybody knows who I am. Founder. <laughs> uh, why don't you tell the wonderful people all of the wonderful things that you do? Yeah, so I am the uh, founder of the Geek Generation Podcast Network, which this show is a part of. Uh, we have six shows on the network. They're all fantastic, and everybody should be listening to each and every one of them. I host I three of those six uh, the Geek Generation Random Movie Club and our newest one, the uh, Quantum Drive, which discusses mm. the Orville. 
Mm-hmm. It got me to watch the Orville. Great show. Yeah. Yeah. I'm only, I think I just finished episode three. Nice. About a girl. Nice. So good. So good. Um, yeah, everyone go while you're sitting there on your phones or plugging away, just go ahead and give all those wonderful shows a follow, or you could find the network on Apple podcasts and just follow the network. Yeah. That there's way you don't a have to master have. feed. It's great. It's so cool. It's just like, you don't have to worry about, Ooh, did I subscribe to this one? I forget. You just, you're, you have all of them. It's, it's wonderful. Anyways, uh, Rob, why don't you tell the wonderful people at home what we read and what we watched? So we are reading Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Volume 1. And then the movie based on that, Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's so weird they call it versus. Like, I feel like they always lean on that. I don't love that naming mechanic because it's always, we get it. Like, we know how it's going to work, where they're going to end up fighting each other in the beginning. Then they're going to be friends. Then they're going to beat a bigger enemy. So the actual versus part is the smallest part of the movie, and yet they always title it that way, and I don't like it. Just call it Batman and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Or Batman Ninja Turtles. There you go. <laughs> um, so technically you chose this, technically you didn't. This was not a book that I was considering um, covering on the show because it's not primarily DC, but it kind of is kind of reading after the fact. Why was this something that you had brought up to my attention? So... I, I thought it qualified because it is technically a Warner Brothers Home Entertainment release. True. So it is True. under the same banner as all the others. Uh, but I absolutely loved this book when it came out. And I was very pleasantly surprised when the animated film came out. I wasn't sure what to think of it, especially when I saw the art style and thought it was just going to be kind of kiddie. But Mm. it ended up being uh, actually really, really great. And there are some other more specific reasons that we'll get into as we get into the book and the movie itself. But I'm a huge Ninja Turtles fan uh, since the 80s cartoon. And I still Mm. love many, many incarnations of them. Not all, but a lot. And that's the same with Batman. I absolutely love Batman. And I love most of the incarnations of Batman. Not all. But these are both characters that get a lot of adaptations and a lot of them work and yeah. surprisingly work really well when you put them together. When you're reading these voices, characters, uh, what voices are you hearing? I mean, for the, the core cast, the Batman universe, those are yeah. all animated series voices. Like that's yeah. that those will forever be the voices that are etched in my head for those characters. Cause that show means so, so much to me. Oh yeah. That's absolutely. hard to get rid of. Yeah. I feel like the turtles, however, yeah, that's, that's a little different for me. The too. Turtles would have been the 80s more, but it's been so long since I've watched that show that I've yeah. actually started to hear the voices of the 3D uh, CGI animated series that they did, Teenage Mutant Turtles, fairly recently. For me, it's almost the same thing. Like, you hear Kevin Conroy as Batman. Mm-hmm. That's all you hear. I have to agree with Ninja Turtles to the point where, like, I remember the 80s like voices and I didn't love them mm-hmm. like even then I didn't love them, but I didn't know it well enough to know that I didn't love them for me. I hear actually the live action. Oh, interesting movie voices, which I think a lot of iterations afterwards try to mimic that yep. quite a bit. And that's just, I mean, it gets their personalities down. So right. It's not overly cartoony except for Michelangelo, who's supposed to be overly cartoony. Sure. Uh, and it keeps everyone really grounded. And I think it really captures a lot of like the grit that Raph brings to the table. 
Whereas in the 80s animation, there was none of that. Mm. At least none of that that I could remember. Granted, I haven't watched it since I was like seven. I will say, though, that for the voice of Shredder, I still hear the 80s cartoon Shredder. Because <laughs> that, even now that voice doesn't necessarily fit that character, like he doesn't have a Japanese accent at all. Yeah. It's so iconic and it's such a unique voice for that character that I still hear it. I just hear like generic bad guy yeah. voice. Like I, I don't even know like how to put it. Like if you literally got Troy Baker in a room was just like, I need a generic evil mastermind voice that's like lower. <laughs> that's kind of what I hear. Okay. The Shredder was never anyone that like I super liked anyways, but I can't hear because I think the 80s wasn't the 80s cartoon. He had like, wasn't it kind of higher pitched and raspy at the same time? Yeah. It, well, I mean, it was it was Uncle Phil from Fresh. Was Prince. it really? Yeah. I didn't. Even he was know the that. voice of the shredder. Oh, geez. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. So let's just open up our books. Let's go right on through. So the intro page for those of you who aren't seeing this, if you don't have the trade or whatever, mm-hmm. um, the art is by Freddie E. Williams, the second, which is, I think he does a phenomenal job at this opening page literally is Leonardo on the bat. the bat. Scene. Yeah. And Jim Gordon just like scratching the back of the head. And he's just like, I give. Well, up. this is a panel we see later, too. Oh, is it? Yep. Oh, yeah, you're right. I love it. Okay, anyways, page one. We're in a lab. Ninjas everywhere. I really like the design of the foot in this, too. Oh, yeah. Well, it's very similar to um, Scarlet Spider's current look, mm. where he has the red eyes and like kind of like the darker costume. Some of, actually, there's some of that look, kind of look like Ronin. I like how some Marvel of them are well. hooded and some are not, so there is some variation. They don't have a consistent weapon scheme throughout the nope. hoods and then the not hoods too, which is really interesting. Um, and all the scientists pretty much look the same. So you have the foot attacking a whole bunch of scientists. Security guards break in and they go to kind of take down the foot and the turtles show up. And I love kind of the way that they're drawn here in these panels mm. because it's very reminiscent of the character select screen. Totally. game. Which I freaking love. So we have Raph, uh, Leo, Donatello, and Michelangelo. I'm going to assume everyone knows what colors go with what. If you don't, I'm sorry. But the way they kind of go is, is it's black and white with like very little tinges of green. And the background color is the corresponding color with the mask. Mm-hmm. And their uh, expressions are just like well drawn, just well done. Like you really get a taste for who these characters kind of are. Mm-hmm. So you have Raph who has this like grimace or this like just, he's just ready to go, gritting his teeth. Leo's looking a lot more calm, a lot more structured. Donnie is kind of like smiling. He's kind of he's getting ready to go into you it. See the gap Angel in his tooth, lost. though. Donnie always has a little gap. The gap in his tooth. He does. He has a gap there. Yeah. Yeah. It's very minor, yeah. but it's there. I love it. It's so good. And then Michelangelo just looks lost. <laughs> His facial expression is just like, okay. I think this highlights, though, that while the artwork in the book as a whole is very strong, I think yeah. the turtles are portrayed the best out of any of oh, the characters. I agree. I agree, yeah. Batman seems to have a new, his new 52 costume on. For the most part, like a little, sure. A little more armor. I would say it's like a combination of New 52 and Arkham, the Arkham series mm-hmm. games. And that shoulder where- thing reminds me of Noel a little bit. Batman Noel. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he has like the speed lines, for lack of a better term, yep. the armor lines, all of that. Um, 
it turns out this is all kind of being recounted by the scientist that was in the laboratory. And she's kind of explaining that these like things showed up and the things are the Ninja Turtles. And she doesn't know what kind of how to describe them. Batman's on the case. We cut to I love this. It wouldn't be Ninja Turtles if it did not have this. Absolutely. We have an alleyway and a pizza delivery man kind of like looking at his weird directions. And he's like, all right, just leave this at the lamppost on Avenue X between this and that. Like, what is this? And you see on a, a light, a light post, a $20 bill taped. And underneath it, a sign says, leave it on the street. So the guy's like, all right, whatever. I don't get paid enough for this. Leaves a pizza on the street. And Michelangelo, like the pizza man walks away. Michelangelo and Raph are bickering about who's going to get it. And Mike's like, no, I got it. I got it. I got it. I got it. He reaches. He don't got it. And Raph's just like, fine. There. Takes out a sigh. Reaches it. Give that to Raph. Now, how soon do we want to start talking about some of the differences between the movie? Because... There's a major oh, yeah. one, like right at the beginning with the lab scene. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Please, because go. the movie yes. has a character that the book does not. Yes, because right. they use Batgirl. Yes, and that's kind of like I don't know how I feel about them like shoehorning in Batgirl. I like it. Is, really? Yeah. So, so we're gonna see in the in the movie more than the book. We see characters pair off. Mm. So, like we see. Batgirl kind of buddy up with Donnie. We see Damien mm-hmm. kind of buddy up with Raph. Mm-hmm. We see Leo and Batman kind of buddy up. And Mikey's just floating around, but has like a weird friendship with Alfred. It's so good. Yeah. You, you have to imagine that Michelangelo is probably very similar to Dick Grayson. Oh, totally. When he first showed yep. up. So I, I think like Alfred just kind of knew exactly what to expect mm-hmm. out of Michelangelo. Actually, if you really think about it, the turtles represent a lot of the Robins that can definitely be seen. Sure. So like you have like, and this is going to be, it's just, just not cause it's red, but like <laughs> Jason Todd is definitely Raphael. Mm-hmm. Leonardo could be like an older Dick Grayson. Mm-hmm. He's got that leadership quality. And Nightwing. Actually, maybe even Tim. Cause Tim like was pretty much became a leader pretty quickly. Because they like right when Tim Drake was around, they were doing like Young Justice and they were right, right, became leader of the Teen Titans as well. He was following Dick pretty closely. Um, that sounds horrible. He's following Dick pretty closely. <laughs> Donatello, actually, they're either pretty much you're now that I'm thinking about it. If you're a Robin, you're either Leonardo or Raphael because Damien's more like Raphael as well. Also true. Teenagers, what are you going to do with them? going to mutate them into turtles apparently but yeah so batgirl is she's in there she's actually voiced by the girl from crazy ex-girlfriend yep rachel bloom rachel bloom i don't know her by name i just know her as crazy ex-girlfriend i don't watch the show but my wife watched it <laughs> very heavily she actually so does a really nice job in this she she does she was i was very surprised yeah. um considering i've never known her to do any voice acting before and sometimes when you have like an actor that's doing voice acting for the first time you're kind of like yikes yeah like Jensen Ackles, as much as I love him as Red Hood, there are a couple of lines where I was like, you, I can tell you're not used to this format. <laughs> and that's fine, but still. Or Keanu Reeves in Toy Story 4. It's like, I can tell you're not used to this, but <laughs> I still like you anyways. But it definitely felt like they just kind of, for me anyways, they put her in just to kind of put her in to like mix things up a little bit. I but. thought it was largely because it is a Nickelodeon. So this, this movie, the movie is in a weird area 
because it's a a joint venture with Nickelodeon. So there's a lot of parts of the movie that skew younger, yet it's definitely a PG-13 movie because there's a certain part that comes up later Mm. where I was watching and thinking is, I wonder if this is PG 13 like the others. Cause I didn't check beforehand. Then I saw it and I was yeah. like, Oh yeah, this is definitely PG 13. Like the others. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I'm wondering, I can't wait to get to that part. Cause I'm wondering if it's the same part for you as it was for me. Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> I mean, it's the first time you see blood. Yeah. 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 There, I mean, we'll, we'll get to yep. it. Uh, cut to the bat cave and you kind of have Alfred being like, I love this line. Master Bruce, I've, I'm afraid I've misplaced you somehow. <laughs> and it's this like wonderful wide shot of the Batcave mm-hmm. and you see the computer, you see the Batmobile, you see Alfred kind of looking around, bats everywhere. I feel like every shot I see of the Batcave has bats everywhere. Well, that's when it looks coolest. It's very fair. It would be super annoying in real life if there were bats always yeah. flying around, but it looks great in a panel. Such a nuisance. Maybe maybe that's why he's really developed the technology to control bats, yeah. so they would just leave him alone <laughs> while he's trying to do his work. You see uh, the T-Rex in the background, and uh, Bruce is working on a suit. Kind of looks like a suit. Yep. We know it's a suit now after the fact, but it doesn't look like much of anything mm-hmm. right now. They're talking about the kind of the League of Assassins and the, like are these ninja things that were quote unquote attacking the laboratory. Are they part of the League of Assassins? What's going on? A whole bunch of speculation between Bruce and Alfred. Though. By the way, don't love yeah. this design for the Batmobile. I don't. It has whiskers. Yeah, I'm not a fan of this one. There's another no. one that pops up in the book later. Yeah. That is much stronger that I think is the one they actually based the movie one on. Yes, I agree. Yeah. This one yeah. I'm not a fan of. No. And it, so it, for those of you at home who can't see it, I would say it looks like if the aliens from the movie Aliens tried to like impregnate the Batmobile and that's what came out. They impregnated a transformer that turned into a Batmobile. Oh, <laughs> That's exactly it. And it definitely has more cat-like features with, um, if you look at its mouth, it looks like an ant mouth. It's very odd. I don't, I don't get it's it. It's way more it, organic than like technological yeah. looking, which as a whole, a lot of the things in this book lean towards the more organic looking, I think. Yeah, and I think that's because the artist is just is not a Batman artist. That's possible. I, I also thought it was uh, just because of the kind of animal nature of like most of the characters. That that could be as well, but like, and that's fine. But you just don't do it to like the machinery. I agree. Just time and place, man. Just like make the Batmobile look cool. You did it in this book later on. Mm-hmm. Just do it here, or make this the backup. Exactly. Car. Yeah. 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 So Batman at this point is just setting a trap for. Um, the foot and the turtles, although he doesn't know it's the turtles yet. Cut to, I love this scene. I love this scene. It's pretty great. Cut to Killer Croc in the sewers with a whole bunch of henchmen. Some of them aren't even his, not really. They mentioned that. One of them used to work for the Penguin, yep. I think. And what's interesting about this scene is Killer Croc is not in the movie. They replaced this with Penguin, mm-hmm. which is like fine, but... Well, I still like Killer Croc. But Penguin didn't do this part. Like, they never found the turtle's lair in the movie at all. Well, the turtles didn't have a lair. Really? Yeah. In the movie. And, and that's... I think I'm going to talk about it now. I was debating saving it for later. 
one of the big things. So I like the book. I like the movie. Mm -hmm. I, one of the big things I like about the book is the fact that it deals with a multiverse. Yeah. The fact that it deals with the turtles are in Gotham city. Mm -hmm. They're not, there is no Gotham city where they're from. Right. So that way it makes sense for things later on why they don't know each other. I agree with that. I think that's the biggest element missing from the movie. Yeah. And that's one of the things here is, you know, they've been here for a little bit. So they build a layer for themselves in the source. Mm -hmm. That's what they do. That's what they know. They're in a city, a strange city. They know the source. Let's do it. In the movie, they don't have that as much. So they're just like, whatever. We're just, we have a, we have a layer. It's in New York city. Killer Croc is walking down the stairs with his henchman and he has this brilliant plan in his reasoning. He's such an idiot. He even says to himself, he's, or he says to his henchman, he's like, yeah, people think I'm an idiot, but really it's just the looks that, you know, I'm not really that dumb, but he is really that dumb because yeah. he literally falls for Batman's trap, hook, line, and sinker. So his whole thing is he's going to Wayne R&D because it's the least protected of all the buildings. Because he thinks all the cops are busy. Everyone's busy elsewhere protecting other things that are more important. Mm -hmm. Little does he know that he's falling into the trap that was set for the foot and for the turtles. He, they are walking through the sewer system and they stumble upon the turtles lair that we we're just talking about. There's still warm pizza. There's monitors everywhere mm -hmm. held up by milk crates. Classic. I love it. Uh, one of those like old school swivel chairs, which I also love. <laughs> And he picks up a game and it was what the hell is that game? Death called? Laser Pony Racers. Death Laser Pony Racers. <laughs> what are the hell of course, Mikey's of? already gathered video games. Yeah, right. So he gets it. Killer Croc gets it, crushes it. There's no sign of anyone turtles after he crushes the game. Mikey's just like, oh, man, my pony racers cut to another lab. We're at Wayne R and D right now, mm -hmm. and this is a scene straight out like the movie took. Yeah, straight oh out, yeah, it's which is which is great. It's great, yeah. Um, the what I like about this is they play with the lighting a bit, so everything is really well lit, and the scientists look oversaturated. Mm -hmm. And it, when you're first reading this, you're like, whatever, it's just a weird coloring choice. The foot rush in, and you find out that it's because they're all holograms; they're not actually there. Batman has a much better line in the movie, I think, than here. Mm -hmm. So he says something like, oh, I, the boss sent them home early. <laughs> yeah. But I work all night or something like that. Or I work late hours. Yep. In the book, he just kind of says, you know, I'm curious. What do you what do you what is what do ninjas want with an experimental signal amplifier? Which I guess is like more down to business which is batman yeah but i like i like when batman is like he has wit and he's not funny but he's but like dry he's humor yeah it's all the driest of humor. yeah well i'll say that's another thing that separates not separates entirely but the movie does does lean more comedic than the book does yeah. the book has its moments of comedy yeah sure. but and the, and the movie like took them all like he used a lot of the jokes but then oh, yeah. they punched it up yeah. And I, I think I wonder if they did that to offset the violence. I think so. And like, that's something else that. But it's also a Turtles movie. Like, I feel like it's... when you're working with the Turtles, I know they didn't start out this way. Yeah. But for me, the Turtles have always leaned comedic. They can still be total badasses. 
Yeah. But they got to be funny, too. See, I think the the first movie from the 80s, the live action one, did a really good job of balancing mm-hmm. all of that. And it wasn't I mean, I haven't watched it in maybe 10 or 15 years, but it wasn't overly so in one style or the or the other. It had the humor, but it also had this like grit to the the film quality of it. Yeah, I feel the book is kind of in a similar tone. Yes. And that's why I like the, the art and I like the tone of the book a bit more than the movie because mm-hmm. the movie like the turtle it's the exact opposite like the turtles aren't designed well at all they're like the least like donatello has these creepy soulless mm. circle eyes and i don't appreciate that like there's not much that separates the turtles from each other except for their headbands right so that's why the it's up to the artist to really differentiate it for us so we don't get all mixed up mm-hmm. like i remember pretty vividly the the cabinet for the um original ninja turtles arcade game and they all had yellow bandanas mm-hmm. but you could tell them apart because they had subtle differences like you're saying like donnie's got the gap in his teeth um leonardo is usually pretty calm raf is always going like berserk yep i don't think they needed to lean as cartoony as they did for the movie i, I agree. think it detracted quite a bit from from it but anyways batman uh initiates a fight with the foot I love that. I love this last panel. He's just like, who's ready to talk? He does the same they, they thing in the movie. Yep. Yep. Same who's, thing. And like, just that like shot of his eye. Like, I love this because it's just his eyes and you see the cowl scrunched up around his nose. Mm-hmm. Oh man. It's just so cool. Cut back to the turtles lair or their makeshift lair where killer croc and his goons are kind of getting taken out. And it's, you can see why people will think that it's Batman because they do have very similar approaches to a fight. Mm-hmm. They use the shadows. They use the element of surprise. Um, and this the next part they take from right, right from the book as well for the movie. One of the henchmen is like, what are you? Who are, what are you trying to do? And Michael Angelo's like, we're scary aliens, bruh. Like I love <laughs> Michelangelo. Yeah, yeah. I love him. Yeah. They use that later. Yeah, and this is the big thing where they start talking about like the multiverse a little bit more. Yep. And you know, Dante's like, technically, we're not aliens; like, we're just mutants. And then he goes, "Well, how do you define aliens? You know, we're not—they're not from this world, but they're not from outer space." And they start talking about like, you know, what, does alien even mean anything on this Earth? We don't know because, as we learn, the DC universe has even different elements than what did they IDW? Yeah, I think yep. Then, then what? Then their New York, let's say. Um, they take down Croc pretty easily. I love this this fight scene or this big one page shot where everyone's just like going at Killer Croc. And it just says, "This is for my pony racers in the middle." I love it. <laughs> That's his battle cry. Yeah. <laughs> and he's so beat up about his pony racers too. Like he's even like they're like, "We'll, we'll get you another one." He goes, "But they won't be my pony racers." <laughs> uh, Batman intimidates one of the foot. We're back in at Wayne. Uh, R&D and he's got him by the neck and he's being classic Batman tell me everything you know where are your metahumans mm-hmm. and he's like you mean the turtles like they're not and then this is this is also taken right out of or the movie yep, takes it right totally out of the movie. translated over. I keep on wanting to say this is taken right out of the movie but it's the other way around yeah uh, and this is the first part where I was like what is this rating same yeah okay so I remember like I, I read the book first and I was watching the movie and he has his almost shot for shot the same thing. And I was like, there's no way the shredder's going to do what he's going to do. A ninja star comes out, pierces the guy's chest in the book, actually his heart in the book. 
And he looks up, and the shredder's just there. In the movie, he takes it to the forehead. That's even worse. Yep. Just right, point blank, in the square center of his friggin' face. (laughs) Which I do like, which I do like even better. Yeah. But it's still, like, it's, again, they have these, like, wonderful moments where they take it even worse than the book did. Mm -hmm. But then you look at the art style, and it's like... (sighs) It's weird. I think more people die in the movie. Which agree, is yeah. the more comedic of the two. So it's a very strange way to go. And especially with the design of the Shredder, too. Like, I like the design of the Shredder in the movie, I think, a little bit better than the book. Mm-hmm. But there are two things that I think the movie could have used that would have just brought it up. And that's the cape and the pupilless eyes. Mm. That's all I was missing. Like, I don't like the mask in the book as much because it just. It's again a little more organic than. Yeah, I just don't. The shredder's not organic, and that's supposed to be like a big separation, mm-hmm. like from an art style, just between him and the turtles. Is he's all blades and sharp edges and everything? He's the goddamn shredder. Yeah, and he's he's very rounded off in this one. And I just I just don't super dig it. One of the big things that they do in the book is they they really don't go into this fight too too much. No, I actually. The, the movie in general expanded on a lot of the action scenes. Yeah. And yeah. I will say in the movie's favor, mm-hmm. the fight choreography is wonderful. Oh, it's very good. Yeah. Especially. They didn't cheap out on it either, on the animation either. It was very fluid, mm-hmm. I found. It's difficult yeah. to do really good martial arts choreography, especially in animated things. It, yeah. it tends to feel very jumpy. And they did a really nice job of showing us all the moves Mm -hmm. in a very smooth way that didn't feel Mm -hmm. slowed down. Like having me having watched or even rewatched a lot of these movies, like I can tell when they cheap out on the action and they definitely didn't. I mean, you have to figure it's Batman and the the Ninja Turtles. You can't cheap out on the action. It's true. The Shredder does this weird small Hadouken move in the movie. Yeah. And in this, he just throws a smoke pellet. Yep, and just disappears. And just disappears. They don't have, like, a fight in this. Right. It's, it's, I just love that first fight because it shows how badass the Shredder is. Mm-hmm. Like, this whole time, like, when you're, you're watching and you're reading these, you can't help but compare, like, skill level and strength level between everyone. Yep. And in your mind, you're always like, well, Batman's going to be the top of the line because he's Batman. Like, that's just what we've kind of grown to know. And in the movie, what they do is they set the almost set the scale of what's going to happen where you have the turtles, big bad fighting Batman and Batman losing the first round. Yeah. I mean, they basically fight to a draw Yeah, where Batman's down, shredders down, and it's just that one move separating them. So that like right away, you're like, okay, you know, the turtles struggle with the shredder. On a consistent basis. Now that we see Batman kind of struggles with the Shredder. So now we, we can only surmise that at least Leonardo would be on par with Batman. Mm-hmm. That's how I kind of took that whole fight from the movie. And this, again, he just runs away. The Shredder just runs away. And yeah, that's fine. There's a lot more to, that they threw into the book than that fight. Oh, yeah, for sure. And I wonder if this actually now I'm thinking about it, if that's why they elaborated so much on the fights is because they got rid of this whole multiverse thing. Maybe because that's a big component of this book. Yeah, the multiverse occupies a lot of the kind of plot line and the the yeah. discussions and things like that, which I super dig. Like I, there are things that I never even considered 
in, in this book mm-hmm. from and I think about multi like multiverse and time travels are my favorite kind of stories if they're done right. Yeah. Unless it's sliders where it's just like, oh, this world is now all women or this world is now monkeys or this world is now upside down. And it's like, that's not clever. Get out of here. <laughs> this world is all robots. We are back in the turtles lair. They're kind of figuring out what's going on. They're kind of this like, is the part where uh, Splinter comes back in, right? which that's Obviously. another big difference from the movie. Splinter's not even in Splinter's not in the movie. And I felt he was missed. I agree. You can't really have the turtles without Splinter. I understand why he's not there because the movie is about the turtles kind of stepping up. But I I feel like he's such a, like I would have loved to see even as a gag him show up in the Batcave and just having conversations with Alfred. Yeah. I think I'm maybe I'm just spoiled because whenever I see the Ninja Turtles, I always see Splinter. Like, he's always just there. Yeah. Like, he, he's the glue that holds the team together. Totally. Without him, they're lost. And I think that was even probably the plot of one of the movies. But. It's very much the first one where he gets kidnapped. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're bickering. Splinter comes in. And they all kind of settle down. And they all kind of fall into line. I love whenever Raphael gets super mad. He doesn't think clearly. He thinks in squiggly lines. Yep. He's just which I frustrated. Think is brilliant. Yeah. But it's just brilliant. Instead of going like grr or grumble or like, you know, uh, fragmented words, it's not even English. It's not even anything known. It's just a scribble, a frustrated scribble. I wonder if the artist does various scribbles until there's one that they like in particular. (laughs) I would love and I didn't pay close enough attention to the scribbles, but I would love if they were different scribbles every time. They might be. They might be. I'm pretty sure they are. I don't think they would use the same one over and over again. They, well, I mean, it's that that would technically be be for the letterist, not for the artist. Oh, okay. I would I would think. I don't know. That's just what. That's just thoughts. That's neither here nor there. Yeah, yeah. They get out of the sewer and they find the Batmobile, and this is right out of the movie. Takes this right yep. out of here too. I'm gonna keep on saying that all episode. <laughs> this is right out of the movie. No, other way around. If I say that and I don't catch myself, I really mean the other way around. Yeah, you guys get it. You guys get it. Um, so Donnie's kind of fawning over it. So is Michelangelo a little bit. And that Michelangelo is like, uh, I think she's taken in response to the Batmobile Batman sitting there being classic Batman. Another great, great panel. And in the movie, probably the coolest he looks in the movie because they silhouette him. Oh yeah. Yeah. They do that classic silhouette because mm-hmm. he doesn't, he's not on the roof that we see him in the movie. He jumps down to their level. Correct. And that's where the fight begins. Yeah. And it made me in that part, like, I, I always want Batman in the black. Yes. And this part made me in the movie want him to be in a black suit instead of a blue suit. So for me, I agree 100%. I'm just going to say that. For me, you know that I I don't not like the blue suit, but I, I was thinking about this a lot after the movie was over. Mm-hmm. I think I like the blue suit because it differentiates time period for Batman. Yes, I totally. Yeah. I, yeah, they, this, this story appears to be set in like the nineties. This, you think this story is, I think both of them are this and the movie because of are, the though. internet cafe, but like Damien's there. True. But Donnie connects to the internet through a modem. I mean, we still use modems. Yeah. Our routers are attached to or built into now, but I mean, like we hear it like in the movie, at least. Yeah, that's true. I mean, 
I thought this was set in modern times because of Damien. That's also the other way that says a time period. Yeah, is yeah. Who's his Robin? See, I don't and even if, think about this in the continuity. I just yeah. think of them taking elements of this. This is an Elseworld story. Yeah, I guess I I have trouble different. I like I just have trouble not having. I guess Jason be the Robin in that time period, mm-hmm. especially because it's the blue suit as well. Because the blue suit is, I would say, late ninety, late eighties, early nineties. And this in the the book, he's very clearly a modern Batman. Oh, totally. But, like there's no they, they got elements from New Fifty Two from Arkham, like we were saying, mm-hmm. like the whole thing. And and they had to use w- Damien for. I mean, they didn't. Yeah. They, they, well, they didn't, didn't have, have to, to have to, but it makes sense to use Damien for this story. Yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but the blue was off putting. Like it was just like just be yeah, put him in his black, at least like bluish gray. Mm-hmm. Like at least just do darken like, it up. Know, yeah, just that. Like, there's no need, and he did have the um, the old school bat symbol too, mm-hmm. which I didn't really like. I like that and all, but I think I think I just like modern Batman way too much now. The next, literally, the movie takes from the book. Yes, said it correctly that time. Nailed it. Michelangelo busts into a pizza parlor, and he's just like, "Everybody, run!" There's a crazy guy <laughs> in a bat suit trying to kill us, and he looks at the pizza, and then he gets roped. Out of the uh, the pizza parlor yep. and back into the street. The only difference the movie does that I think is actually even better is everyone just looks at him and then they start. Like, there's like this comedic pause and they all just start screaming and running away. And they're just like, oh, it's a crazy like lizard. Yeah, man. it has like, nothing run. to do with the fact that it's Batman. It's just because. Yeah. It's him. Well, because you got to figure, too, it's in Gotham City. So everyone's like, yeah, that's our protector. Yep. Another fight scene that's like, yeah. OK, here yeah. the movie does a great job. I wonder how much of a struggle it is to try to showcase both sides evenly. Oh, I'm sure very difficult, but I will, I will always prefer movie action versus comic book action just because you can watch it. It's fluid. Yeah. Comic book action. I think I always just kind of like, yep, yep. Fighting, 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 fighting. Mm -hmm. And if there's words in there, I'll read them. And if like someone references the fight, like in the next page that I missed, I'll go back and I'll like really look at it. But it's very easy for me to kind of just drone it out. Mm -hmm. They have the really funny line that, again, the movie takes right from the book. Uh, Michelangelo tries to sneak up on Batman and says, think fast. And then Batman thinks fast. (laughs) 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 And Michelangelo is like, whoa, you thought fast. This is in lieu of the shredder fight in terms of setting the 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 ground level essentially setting who's on par with what mm-hmm. Batman literally takes Raphael's sigh from him. That's such a dis- disrespect to Raphael. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> and he takes Michael. So the order is Michael, uh, Raphael's sigh, Michelangelo's nunchuck. He takes those shatters Leo's blade. He just like schools them essentially. He really does. It, not only does he shatter Leonardo, shatter Leonardo's blade, he shatters it with Raphael's side. <laughs> yeah. God damn. He does a better job fighting Leonardo than Raphael does with his own weapon. Very true. Everyone always forgets that Batman is a master of many weapons. Yes. He just never uses them. Splinter breaks everything up and he's just kind of saying this is enough and they kind of disappear. Whereas in the movie, Donnie just says like ninja vanish time and yeah, throws it down and then they go that way. Yeah, it's very interesting when they're adapting things, the cuts they decide to make. And sometimes you can really kind of see it. Like in Under the Red Hood, you understand why they don't talk about Superboy Prime and the multiverse yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, Because it's not necessary to the story. Um, in other parts, like you can, you, I can see why Splinter is not 
a necessity to the story. But at the same time, he is missed the whole I time. I agree. Brings us to the part you were talking about. Mm-hmm. Want, want to lead us into the the arcade? Yeah, so they're in like an arcade slash internet cafe yes. doing all their research, uh, kind of figuring out who this guy is, who this mm-hmm. Batman is. I don't think they make the joke in here, but they do in the movie that like he was on the internet for two hours just to find out that guy's name was Batman. <laughs> that was Raphael's joke. He's yeah. like, so good. Um, and then awesome. another thing they yeah. adapt from the book to the movie is Michelangelo's yeah. little chart of why Batman's cool and why he's not cool. He might be a bad guy. If he is, then he'd be at least 40% less awesome. One of the, this is something that difference It's a minor difference yeah. that I caught in the movie is he was disappointed when he said 40% less awesome. Mm. And in the book, he's just kind of like, he's over it. Yeah. yeah. Just make him 40% less, less awesome. And he's back to like scribbling away. Yep. They all, they do the Dracula joke too, which Donnie's just correcting everybody. The entire story. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what he does. That's his, that's his thing. Yeah. It's a shtick. So he's like, great. Like, so Batman, so he's a nut in a Dracula costume who punches clowns. What's the big deal? <laughs> and then Donnie's just like, what Dracula movies have you been watching? <laughs> it's so good. I love it. They um, have Leo doing the uh, same kind of deduction of Batman. Yeah. Like he, com- he was completely non-lethal blows when he was fighting us. He fought yes. us like a detective. That's such a good line. It is. That's like the. I never thought to describe his fighting style like that, but then after I did, I was like, I I immediately actually thought of the Sherlock Holmes movie with um, Robert Downey yep. Jr. It's like, like not he, only did he best us, mm, he was testing us the whole time to see who yeah. we were, how we fight, and that like, it's this stuff you don't really get in the movie. I don't. I don't remember him saying that in the movie. Did he? They did say oh, the detective did, like, line. Detective? Yeah, okay. the non-lethal blows. Yep. It just maybe it just didn't resonate with me as much. I don't think it does as much in the movie, but it's definitely yeah. in there. Uh, the next scene, I I love this. This is like all multiverse. Bruce stuff. and Lucius, yeah. Bruce and Lucius. Lucius doesn't know that. Bro, it's not. He doesn't know hundred and ten. It's the tongue in cheek, Batman, Lucius. But like, knowledge, yeah. yeah, yeah. But like Lucius is smart enough to kind of know. So he has. Um, Bruce brought the side to Lucius, Raphael's side, and they start talking about like this is metal that is from a different universe and has different properties, but it's like trying to turn itself into, it's made of steel, but it's not our steel, Mm -hmm. but it's trying to be our steel is what Lucius essentially says. And this is something I never considered. It's a cool idea. The, it makes the universe seem like a living sentient thing where it just needs to fit things together. And if it can't fit things together, it's going to do the next best best thing, or it's going to erase the thing that it doesn't know. Mm -hmm. And that's just what it's going to be. And this is actually uh, dangerous for the turtles because what we learn is the mutagen doesn't actually exist on in Gotham City and nope. the DC universe. So that means that the mutagen is just going to stop existing. Yeah. So that, here, yeah, we create a an urgency that the movie does not have in the yes. sense that there's now a ticking clock. The other thing I don't say here, but I want to bring it up now in case we gloss over it later. They the turtles mention that Gotham doesn't exist in their universe. Correct. They say it's it's just a field. Yeah. Which I think is amazing. Like I love that. I don't know why I love that so much, but it's just like this whole thriving city that has these life or death scenarios where like doomsday could possibly take place at any different Mm -hmm. time doesn't exist somewhere. Yeah. In the DC universe, there is no New York City. Yeah. In in the movie, 
they're just cities away. Yeah, which, which is the weakest part of the movie, honestly. It doesn't make sense to me that if the Turtles exist in the DC universe or Batman exists in the IDW universe, however you want to put this, they would have heard of each other first yes. before this time. Yep. I would submit to the fact if Robin wasn't there, if Batgirl wasn't there, they hadn't heard of it. If it was like year two or three for Batman, mm-hmm. fine. But we're on Damien. Yeah, he's past urban myth Batman at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone knows he exists. They even reference Jason Todd at one mm-hmm. point in the movie. So that means that Jason Todd does exist and is dead. And we don't know if he's back as Red Hood yet. Splinter overhears this whole conversation and kind of knows this is bad news. Batman tries to set alerts for the turtles so he can kind of um, track them. We got to Penguin making his first appearance, which is quite a bit different from the movie. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of using him in a similar capacity than to the movie where he's kind of like an arms dealer, essentially. Yep. Shredder, surprise, betrays Penguin and his goons and takes what he wants for free. Yep. There's no money. There's no money. Like, and also, this is also why this makes a lot more sense. He's an interdimensional traveler. Of course, he doesn't have money. (laughs) (laughs) Well, he also just doesn't care. Like there's that too, but like he, he led was, Penguin to believe Penguin was getting paid yeah. and he had no intention of paying him from the beginning. Yeah. He does the same in the movie, but it's much later that this stuff goes down. It's much later. And his um, secret team up friend mm-hmm. is revealed. I think at that point has long been revealed at that oh, point. Yeah. This part's kind of the same, but kind of different from the movie where the turtles are climbing through caverns and you don't really know why until they the last panel where you see the giant T-Rex in the Joker card Mm -hmm. and you're like, Oh my God, they figured out not only that where Batman is, but that he's Bruce Wayne. Like splinter found this out. Yeah. In record time. Yeah. I thought the explanation in the movie was a little bit better. How did did they do it in the movie? In the movie, Donnie ends up like tracking all the Batman's appearances over the last so many years and like triangulating them with the, like most frequent intersections and he ends up like pinpointing this location, which ends up being the back cave. I do kind of like that splinter is just that good. Well, he also followed him. Yeah. But like he followed him without him knowing. Yeah. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. They go in, they're nerding out. And this one line from Michelangelo is great. (laughs) And he says, okay guys, if I'm dreaming, nobody's allowed to pinch me until I play with that dinosaur. The movie does it a little better. Where he actually puts on a cowl. He puts on the cowl, but it doesn't fit because he's got a giant turtle head. Yep. So it's just like the ears are flopping around. He's like, look, look, guys, I'm Batman on a dinosaur. And I think the movie does a better job. We haven't gotten to it in the book just yet. Right. But I think the movie does a better job of when Damien shows up. Yes. Because in the book, they're all kind of working. Mm-hmm. And when Damien shows up in the movie, they're straight up goofing around and it looks yeah. like intruders. I I think I also like Damien more in the movie than the book. Mm-hmm. They give him a lot more of a personality Agreed. in the movie. In the book, he's just kind of there to be a Robin. I just love the the kind of friendship he has with Raphael mm-hmm. in the movie. Um. Anyways, next up, we have the Shredder. With Penguin, Penguin's still kind of there, even though he was reluctantly so at this point. Um, they've kidnapped Dr. Khan, who is, I would say, multi-dimensional expert. Yeah. Kind of like that's that that's his role. Um he 
kind of knows how to build the an interdimensional machine to get everyone back to where they need to be. And the foot has him. Mm-hmm. And not in great conditions either. Like he's all beat up. He's got a bloody nose. He's got a black eye. Um, Batman shows up and breaks him out. Uh, we cut to a giant scene of Stargate, let's call it. <laughs> it looks very similar in a lot of ways, yeah. Turtle show up, Batman shows up. It's going to be a big fight. Cut to two hours earlier. Batman and Alfred realize there's an intruder. There are intruders in the Batcave, and it's Michelangelo on the goddamn T-Rex. <laughs> You've never seen anyone more excited to do anything, and he's saying, this is everything I've ever wanted in my entire life. And, and Donnie is kind of nerding out over the bat ca- or the bat computer a little bit too. You kind of see some silhouettes of bat suits off in the distance. Mm-hmm. One of them kind of looks like the Batman Beyond suit. I noticed that too. Yeah, I knew you would. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, if I noticed that, Rob absolutely noticed that. And I believe they kept that in the movie as well. Mm-hmm. They kind of have a little bit of a tussle in the Batcave, and then they kind of realize they're all on the same side via Splinter. After they all realize that they're all on the same side, Alfred Alfred shows up with a shotgun. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. I love that he gets called a robot by Mikey. (laughs) Yes. He's like, you got a British robot, dude? He's like, I'm not a robot. He's like, all right, whatever you say, a robot. So lifelike. He's like poking him in the chest. We also find out that the reason Shredder and the Turtles and Splinter mm-hmm. are all here is because mm-hmm. Krang wanted them out of his universe. Which is interesting. Because, like, me having only... Like, I haven't watched any of the modern um, Ninja Turtles. Okay. I think the most modern cartoon that I watched was probably 2006. And, like, I've seen the movies. I've seen the Michael Bay movies. I've seen the TMNT animated with Sarah Michelle Gellar mm-hmm. as April O'Neil. Um, and of course I've seen a bit of the original cartoon and I always just pictured Shredder and Krang on the same side. Yeah. And I think for the most part, they are in the adaptations in yeah. the comics. I don't know their role, but I can see them not getting along. Yeah. Like in the, in the comics, it's more so that they're frenemies. I would yeah. guess like their, their interests align every once in a while. Yep. But ultimately, Krang wants to take over the world or ruin it or whatever. And Shredder wants to do the same. Mm-hmm. But like they both have their own agenda. So naturally, if the opportunity presented itself, they would get rid of each other or one another. But that just that took me a minute to be like, wait, what? They're not on the same side. That's so weird. <laughs> well, also the image they show, it makes them look like one army. Yeah, because you also have Bebop and Rocksteady. Yeah. There. Um, also, his robot suit looks way more badass than the cartoon. Oh, yeah. Super cool. Looks like Darth Vader, giant Darth Vader without his helmet. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much, it cuts back that far because that's why they are getting along now. Mm-hmm. Just as it seems Shredder is about to lose, he takes out a detonator and not only blows up Stargate, but also blows the head off of uh, Dr. Khan. Yeah. Professor Khan. Which is crazy. He had a subdermal implant bomb. Yeah. He had a suicide squad bomb. Yeah, basically. Yeah, which is like nuts. And the fact that Batman didn't see that coming, I don't know how much I believe that. Uh, I mean, who thinks of that being I mean, a Batman, possibility? If you believe Grant Morrison, Batman just sits in a room all day. <laughs> so he's probably already thought of this scenario. Maybe. Like, he had no reason to suspect that that was even a thing. That's true. 
And they do make a mention in this book of Batman constantly underestimating Shredder. Shredder grapple hooks onto a helicopter that is owned by the League of Assassins. And none other than Raish al Ghul yes. is sitting there. Raish al Ghul. Raish. I like, I like that they sound it out in this. Racial ghoul. Racial ghoul. Yeah. So there's a there's a, a thing because in my mind I see it, and it's my instinct is still Razagul, but like I'm making the effort to fix it in my brain when I read it to Racial Ghoul. It's interesting to me that you think of it as Raz. Because in the 90s cartoon, he said Raz. Nope. Raish. He did. Oh, I haven't watched it in a while. Also in Batman Begins, he says He says Raz Al Ghul and in, in Liam Neeson Begins. says it. Yep. Who is Raz Al Ghul? Yeah. But anyways, but so in the like movie, I'm making the effort. In the movie, they go both ways. Yeah. Because Damien always things. calls him Raish. Yeah. Everyone else calls him Raz. Batman actually uses both pronunciations throughout the movie. They just need to pick one. I know. Just stop, just stop confusing They need to me. pick the right run. Raish Al Ghul. Raish, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, they, they make the line where, I, th- is it, I think it's Michelangelo who goes, who's this racial Ghul guy? Yeah. And it's like, oh, I don't know if you're noticing, too, while we're going through, they keep repeating this panel that you commented on earlier with the two eyes because we saw Shredder do it just a little while back. And now we see Raish do it here. So if basically if they have a badass moment, they get the two Mm -hmm. eyes. Oh, man, that's so cool. Um, We're in Arkham Asylum now. This is a weird little bit. It it is. Um, We have the it turns out the foot is being brought in as asylum member or patients of the asylum for some reason probably too dangerous for the system now that i'm thinking about it though they're claiming to be from a different earth uh yep that'll do it (laughs) and none of them are identifying as individuals right they're all kind of the foot i have no name the doctor is talking to herself and walks by and the uh walks by the joker's cell and he's just like hey something going on up there you can't hide this from me like I, I know, and this is also this isn't in the movie. No, the movie the Joker's big reveal, yep. like the, he's part of the plan. I want to be because the Joker toxin, yeah, becomes a part of yeah the larger yeah plot. Yeah, which is not a thing in this, not at, at all. all. Again, I'm wondering if they bring in the Joker toxin into it just to kind of not fill time, but like kind of fill time. I guess it does to- serve a function. In the movie? It does. It does, but like... Because we learn that the mutagen will just mutate them, but they're largely still themselves. <laughs> Next scene. Pizza a delivery to Wayne Manor. There's a stack of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 pizzas mm-hmm. for four turtles. So three pizza per turtle. Um, the delivery man's like, oh, you, do you have that old, to old man, to Alfred, essentially? And he's just like, please, I can, if I can do working like I a can, four star restaurant, five star, if I, yeah, five star. If I once spent six months working at a, one of the most exclusive five star restaurants in London, I think you'll find I'm more than capable of carrying a few pizzas. It's 12 pizzas, folks. And that's not a few. Also, I think this is where Keanu Reeves gets his pizza from. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pizza Wick. Pizza in Wick. Uh, the movie, it's Luigi's Pizza. Yep, I noticed that. At least the first one. I, I the second one, anyways. He brings the pizza in. He's balancing really well. It's, it's a little bit shaky, but nothing crazy. Then all of a sudden, Michelangelo comes barreling down uh, on his skateboard, grinding on the railing, knocks all of the pizza on the ground, to, except for one slice that is on Alfred's face. 
to which Michelangelo eats. Cool. Minor difference with the movie is that he just kind of yeah. comes up in a pile of the boxes and one of them's on his head and he just kind of sucks yeah. it in. And that that's like classic Michelangelo animation too. Totally. Which is great. Um, we have Batman sparring with Leonardo and Leonardo's actually starting to gain um, an edge essentially this so this happens in the movie as well but like we're probably two-thirds of the way through the story here the movie at this point is maybe halfway yeah yeah like the the tail end of the movie is much longer and extended than the book is yeah that's very true we have oh it's a different okay here we go confirmed they use different squiggly lines for Raphael's um annoyances <laughs> there you go it's a different squiggly line raf is in the corner he's got a broken arm and he's just grumbling to himself donatello's playing um he noticed that the bat cowl keeps 3d holograms of all of the fights that he does so he's just nerding out they've been doing many adventures at this point it look like mm-hmm. like they're fighting mad hatter some ninjas all this stuff and then they, they they actually bring a lot more of the DC universe into the book than they do into the movie because they actually mentioned they Cyborg in this, yep. which is really cool. And they're really trying to figure out how to get the turtles back home because they know they're on a timer. Um, the pizza gets picked up off the floor, I guess, and brought down for <laughs> consumption. This is the part. I don't like this in the book that Alfred takes his skateboard. No, no, away. no, no, no. Well, Alfred, cause I love, I love that. that. I love that. Alfred takes the skateboard. <laughs> away. I don't like that. Batman's eating pizza. Oh, here. here. So in the movie, yeah, it's a little early in the movie. They're just, they have this big pizza party and I think it's Michelangelo's like, come on, man, you gotta eat pizza. Like you can't do this without having pizza. And he's like, I don't eat pizza and walks away. Yep. By the way, Troy Baker is does the voice of Batman in this movie. Phenomenal. It's it's Troy oh, yeah. Baker doing a Kevin Conroy impression. A little bit, but he's been doing he's done a lot of versions of Batman at this point. Has he? I know he's done it for Telltale. That's the only one that I've known. He did too. Telltale and he did I think one of the reasons they had him do this one is because he's done it in the Le- Lego that's movies. Right, Lego, yeah. I forgot about so that. So he's already done like a lighter Batman. Yeah. And I think he does a kind of nice in-between of the Telltale and the Lego for the movie. Normally, when you hear Batman talking, it's not Kevin Conroy. You get that, at first, not here at all. All of the voice acting in this movie, I found to be great. Like, I don't have any complaints. I had one. Really? Mm-hmm. With who? Is he, is he Michelangelo. Oh, Michelangelo? Really? I didn't care for Michelangelo's voice. That's pretty much what I hear when I read his lines, though. Is that like California? There was something surfer? a little off about it. Huh. Interesting. Raph gets super pissed off that Batman's eating pizza. No, I'm just kidding. Raph gets super pissed off just in general that everyone's just kind of like, seems like they're giving up. And he's just like, you know, what are we doing? We're dying. Like, we have yeah. to figure this out. He rips off his own sling, which is badass. And he's just like, you know what? Forget you guys. I'm out of here. This is just classic Raphael. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, just like, throwing a temper tantrum yeah. and storming off. Yeah. <laughs> He's such a moody goddamn teenager. <laughs> he yells at all the others for being like immature. Yeah. 
all the time. And yet he always throws temper tantrums yeah. and storms off. Yeah. I do like in the background that Michelangelo is like holding on to the pizza. Yeah. <laughs> he's just like, you're eating freaking pizza. And he's like, don't bring the pizza into this. It's almost like he's trying to like cover the pizza's ears. Yeah. So they don't, it doesn't hear it. I don't know. It's funny. Um, we, we're back to Shredder and Rage. And, and actually, you glossed over something really okay. quick. Okay. Before Raph storms off, yeah. he confronts Batman. Oh, yeah. And accuses him of being just some rich guy who's a thrill seeker, right. which is a complaint that some people make about the character in general. Really? I think so. I've never heard that, but I can. They're like, he could put all that money into the police. He does it because he likes it. But we get a nice explanation later on as to why Batman goes to extremes that he does yeah. and doesn't just fund others to do it because it's not completely about stopping crime. Right. There's another component that other people don't always consider. Right. So we have a new Stargate being built. Mm-hmm. Um, it seemingly activates by it or no, they say activate the machine. And when they do something, someone that was missing from the movie shows right up. One of my favorite Turtles characters, Casey motherfucking Jones. Yeah. Question about the comic. Yes. Was this pre-constructed? Oh, this like it had to this have been. gate. It had to have. Been. It had to be because the doctor's dead. The doctor is the only one who can build them. The turtles, I guess, were complaining because they didn't know the second one existed. Yeah. I mean, why would they? Yeah. And also, like, it kind of makes sense for Shredder. Like, why would he blow up? Like. The only thing that would give him what he wanted without having a backup plan. Yeah. You know, they, they just never had like a line of dialogue of like, oh, here's my backup. Like, yeah, I, I just, just kind of shows up with another gate. And I was like, wait, what? There's another one. And you can see the foot or maybe maybe they have plans or something because maybe. you see the foot working on it. Yeah. Like he like he looks like he's like under a car, but it's not. He's just like tightening a lug nut or something. It threw me a little bit. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, I love the reveal of Casey Jones because it's just it's just sports equipment hitting foot the foot. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, I'm here. I've trumped through the multiverse to save my pals. None of you are going to stop me. Mm-hmm. Casey also not in the movie, uh, which is such a missed opportunity. I think he is the, completely removable from the story. He is. But I still like like they do it just for this is for fans. Here's like here's another character. Yeah. <laughs> and but for a team up book, that's kind of what you want. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. In the book it makes a hundred percent sense to do it. In the movie it would have yeah. slowed it down. Yeah. And also like you don't need it because the whole purpose of Casey Jones coming and you see it on his back is he's just mm-hmm. strapped with mutagen. Yep. Like he's there. They figured out a way to make mutagen exist in this universe somehow. I don't know how. And he's there to help out his buds. Yep. Now we get to the moody scene. And this is where Raph is just kind of trench coat Raph, classic from the movie. Mm-hmm. I love this so much. Mm. He's just walking down the street and Batman shows up in the weird alien hybrid Batmobile thing with whiskers. And he's just like, get in. And there's a line, I think it's at the end, where he says, I'm going to jump a little, just a little bit, we'll jump back, where he says, mm-hmm. like, I hate that you live so far away from the city. because like it just says so much about raf and his stubbornness where he's just like he's walking in it's a torrential downpour at this point yep and he's just like well i already made my dramatic exit i can't just walk back into wayne manor 
So I guess I'll just walk to the city. Batman knows how to manipulate Raph a little bit here too. Well, it's again that line of "I won't even tell your brothers I spoke to you." Yeah, he gets he gets what Raph's hang up is. Yeah, and it, like also super similar to Jason Todd. Mm-hmm. So like you, he, he's been through this before. He knows how to do this? Yeah. Um, an alarm goes off at the Batcave, and they're like, "Oh, geez, like you know, another transdimensional rift opened up. We have to get there." But Batman took the Batmobile and then it's Donnie. It's like uh, he took one of the Batmobiles. And this is what you're talking about Mm -hmm. earlier. You have like it almost looks like almost like the 90s Batmobile animated series, but just a little smaller and like reddish windows. It looks great. I love this look. And they actually make it look even better in the movie. They do. They take this basic design and they just expand upon it which i really dig and alfred is like you are not taking that car and the the faces of leo and donnie are both like somewhat serious and mikey is so happy to see another batmobile yeah look at his face (laughs) all you see is like half of his mouth and his eyes but you get it it's enough yeah um batman brings us and raf to crime alley um so did you want to start here Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Let's go ahead. Let's raise the curtains. Let's like, you know, let the crowd simmer down a little bit. It's everyone's favorite bit of the whole show where we go into voice acting theater. Now, for this one, Rob's going to be Batman. Usually I ask Shocker. who's going to be who, but Rob's going to be Batman and I will be Raphael. And just the basic whole general tone of this is. Almost like a heart-to-heart of Batman with Raphael. Now, here's the big question. Mm -hmm. Do we want to be serious with this? Do we want to go voices? What What do you want to do? I think for this scene, it's got to be straight. Okay. Just because of the tone of the scene. Yeah. Like any of the other ones where like all the turtles are present, I would have gone Goofy City. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have... Batman and Raphael kind of walking down Crime Alley. You see the Batmobile in the background, um, the smoke coming out of a manhole cover. And actually, you really kind of get more of a scale of a turtle versus Batman. Yeah, it's the first kind of side by side we see like that. Yeah. All right. So Raphael kind of comes in and says, What is this place? That's not. That's just me. Okay, we'll just do. Well, there is. You can go with a New York accent for the turtles. I mean, I can try, but there's no guarantee it's going to be. A, <laughs> we're trying to go serious on this one. All right, let's just see where it takes us. What is this place? Crime Alley. Creative folks, you got here in Gotham. This is where I watched my parents die, Raphael. And Batman takes a few steps as Raphael is is just shocked at the sentence batman just spoke we have um the monarch theater kind of in the background and then we have um bruce bruce as a child hunched over the corpse of his dead parents and almost arranged kind of how they had it in the animated series where you know that if this went from a bird's eye view it was it's definitely the bat symbol Mm-hmm. where his parents are the wings and uh, he's the head and his two feet sticking out because he's kind of kneeling are the ears. But we see it more of a straight on view. Um, 
it's still downpouring. You really see like the rain kind of splashing against. Um, I don't want to call them holograms, but I kind of do. They look like that. Yeah, they're like it has this like greenish tint to them, which is an interesting aesthetic choice. I think, I think it's mirroring the 3D holograms that Donnie was looking at earlier. Do you think he's watching? I don't think he's watching it, but I think that's just a visual similarity. Yeah. That they that's, did on purpose. That's confusing, I think, though. It is a little yeah. bit. Because I would say, how messed up is that, that he recreated that in his little, like, right. hologram thing and just watches that? Maybe that's the case. Yikes. Maybe that's the implication. This just got a whole lot darker for a Ninja yeah, Turtles Batman team <laughs> Uh Raphael is still behind Batman as Batman kind of stands there um staring down at the display of of from his childhood let's say they were killed by an ordinary man a down on his luck thief with a gun shot right in front of me for no reason other than the money in my father's wallet and the pearls around my mother's neck i was 8 years old and he says that line you really it's like a close up of his face and you see like the rain just like going down his profile and i like how they have that like one little like drop off of his nose oh yeah that shot is amazing really that's cool. so well done for getting not wrong but like getting a lot of the batman stuff like iffy like the dramatic stuff this artist gets down really well totally raf is just flabbergasted he doesn't know what to say so he just goes with the i'm i'm so sorry I didn't take you here to guilt you. I want you to understand. The worst thing imaginable happened right in front of my eyes when I was just a child, and all the rules of the world were broken. It took me decades to pull myself together into something new, something strong. A man who could overcome what had happened to him, but also a man who could work tirelessly to make sure that what happened to him would never happen to another family. Oof. The one thing I really like about this panel layout too is that one we have um, Batman's right side. So he's on the mm-hmm. right side, and you were seeing kind of his um, his right. And then the next panel we have Raphael on the left side, and we're seeing that side of his head as well. It's almost like a splatter paint look to the rain. Yeah, which is really neat. It is selfish in a way. I'll grant you that. But it's what I can do, and I need to do something. I need to do it for them. Here I stand, and I see a family being ripped apart by impossible science and dark intent. I won't let it happen. I can't let it. So please, help me save you and your family. Oh, Alfred. Okay, I'm going to be Alfred. This is going to be where people hear my bad British accent without any sort of force <laughs> voice modulation whatsoever. <clears throat> Sir, young Master Donatello picked up a transdimensional reading in the city. The turtles are en route now. I'm not sure you'll be entirely thrilled with their mode of transportation. And then Batman kind of springs into action. Like he's interrupted and he's, he's out of his, his uh, heart-to-heart mode. And he looks at Raph and says... Come on, Raphael. We have work to do. And Raph has a little smirk and goes, I guess we do. That's my best New York accent. There you go. That'll do. (laughs) That'll do. 
And we'll we'll close the curtains, and that was that was a nice little bit. That's cool. I enjoyed that. I got little fingers on that. I don't get to voice act Batman too often, but well, when you do, goddamn, I'll take it when I can get it. Is it amazing? We have the turtles springing into action, um, really messing up the grill of the older Batmobile that they stole. Case they see Casey Jones, they're really surprised. Casey just kind of says, "Yeah, I was here to bring you mutagen so you guys could survive," but like Shredder got it. Cut to Arkham Asylum. If there's never a train of thought that you want to follow another, it's dangerous mutagen that turns things into animal hybrids and then Mm -hmm. Arkham Asylum. Yeah, agreed. You just don't want that. Um, This is the scene that we're kind of talking about a little bit uh, earlier where we're talking about that first page. We have Batman um, going to, or actually, sorry, Commissioner Gordon signaling Batman and Batman showing up with the turtles and Commissioner Gordon is just like, I'm getting too old for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can't wait for retirement, man. This is definitely just like, he's just like, I just don't, I don't know. And I like the way they kind of portrayed it in the movie a little bit more. Cause it's a little bit less in the movie. I feel, but it's a little bit mm. stronger. Yeah. Where Commissioner Gordon has more lines here. But I think the fact that they gave him less lines in the movie made what he said stronger because he's just like, just think, Jim, we're going to go to a place where there aren't giant turtles and the clowns are actually funny. Yeah, <laughs> it's just and they have the great exit at the end of this, too. They oh, don't do yeah. it in the book, but in the, oh, <laughs> it's so the end of the scene in the movie, they it. do the classic Batman disappears when Gordon's not looking. The turtles do, too. Yep. He's like, damn it. He always does that. And then Mikey's just like, I'm still here. <laughs> I laughed so hard at that part. It's such a great bit. <laughs> and does Commissioner Gordon falls, doesn't he? Or he's like, yeah, yeah, stumbles yeah. He's, a little bit. He's caught off guard for sure. It was so good. So they talk about, they talk with Penguin. Penguin tells him that he's working with a partner. Batman deduces it's Ra's al Ghul. And they go off to try and, I guess they go off to be heroes and Leonardo collapses. Mm-hmm. And you're really starting to see the effects that the mutagen is wearing off. Before it was like, yeah, there's a timer, we know it, but now it's like, oh no, there's a now timer. it's like it's taking hold. Yeah, these guys are gonna revert. They keep saying they're gonna die, even though they know they not. That's not the case. I mean, that's that's. I mean, that's a bigger debate than what I want to have on this show. But like, yeah, really, right. like I mean, their essence would be gone. They'd just be turtles and a yeah. rat. Yep. Michelangelo playing video games. On the back computer. On the back computer. This is when Robin kind of shows up. And Casey Jones is there too. And, you know, they're they're kind of there's some comedic stuff. This is ultimately the only part to have this is to have Robin show up. Yep. And you know, I was And look at the bottom of this panel too. We got Robin's little two eyes now. Oh yeah. Look at that. I never even noticed this was a thing that happened until we started going yeah. through it now. Damien? I didn't like him at first, but the more I kind of watch stuff and read stuff with him in it, the more I'm kind of digging him because mm. I, I think I just didn't like him because he pretty much replaced Tim and Tim was like one of my favorite Robins. That's completely fair. But he is pretty solid for like an angry young kid. And Damien takes everyone down pretty much, which is hilarious. And I love like kind of the jabs they take at his age. <laughs> it's like, what are you like? Eight, five, <laughs> five. 
And it's true. He's just this little kid. And like the that's coming from like 16 year old turtles. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, They're all fighting. Batman kind of shows up with Leo in hand, who's just sweating and just not in great shape and it's collapsed. Tells everyone to knock it off. And they do so. Alfred and Splinter show up with a stretcher. I'd like to think they were having deep discussions about life and the meaning of the universe and everything. No doubt. They had to have. They're, they're off panel together. That's what they're doing. They're talking about how they have to, like, they just got to get things going. Alfred brings up the Intimidator suit, which is what he was working on in the beginning of the book, what Bruce Batman was working on, mm-hmm. and how it's not done, how, you know, this would be such a great thing. Casey also talks about the slingshot which is the device that they're going to use oh, yeah. to get back. He has that one-time use, the, interdimensional the very convenient portal. one-time only use. That Harold gave that him from Harold. their world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, they got to go. So the plan is Turtles going home. It's just, they, they have to wait a bit longer too, right? For yeah, oh yeah, they, they, the, there's certain things in alignment right now. Yeah. And once they charge the slingshot and it's activated, then it. they have to go or they're going to miss it. The, the next opportunity would be in like a week, but the turtles will have degraded by that yeah. point. I don't like this mechanic. I understand why it's there, but I just don't like it. Yeah. Uh, Batman and Damien rush off to go fight the bad guys. They go into Arkham Asylum. They're met by the penguin. Literally. <laughs> the penguin. So those of you who can't see, this is a little bit maybe funnier than maybe not. But... Uh, Raish, it's both funny and creepy. <laughs> yeah, Raish and the Shredder use the mutagen to mutate Batman's Rogues Gallery, mm-hmm. so the Penguin has turned to the Penguin, um, and we get a splash screen of of like all the Rogues in there, which other versions for some characters it works better in the book, and others it works better in the movie. Yeah, I think most of the movie versions are better. Yeah, except for Poison Ivy. Some of them are not in the movie. That's right. Like Hatter's not there. Right. Riddler's not there. Right. Ventriloquist is not there. Ivy becomes a plant in the movie, which breaks the logic of the mutagen. She's a she's, praying mantis she's praying here. Mantis, yeah. Uh, Bane is an elephant. I like. But he's a puma in the movie, and the puma's cooler. But like, there's a big missed opportunity with Bane. You make him a bear. Because he had a teddy bear. That was his big thing when he was. Because uh, remember, he grew up in prison and he always had this teddy bear as a comfort. True. Thing. They do show that in the movie, by the way. It's in his cell. I do. I saw that. I was like, yes, yeah. so that's why when they when I saw that, I was like, oh, he's going to be a bear. And then he was. Yeah. yeah, he was not. Two faces, just a monkey in this. Yeah. And he was. Uh, but he looks cooler with the, like almost two heads. Yeah. The two headed cat. Harley reads better in the movie than she does in the book. The one thing that annoyed me with Harley in the movie yeah. is that the voice didn't change yeah. when she mutated. I agree. It looked really odd coming out of that face. Yeah, it didn't fit. But the fact that it was a lot more obvious that she was a hyena. Because mm-hmm. when I'm reading this and the Joker is a cobra or viper. Yeah, which I don't get why they did that in both. Like, why make him a snake? I, uh, why isn't he the hyena? Well, so that was that was my first thing. It's like well, he should be the hyena also because Batman right. Beyond and like they had the mutated hyena and that was badass. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the smile, and it's also the fact that he has pretty much the venom, the venom and acid running through his veins. I suppose that's why they did it. Um, what they do in the movie that they don't do in the book that I think it's really cool is the pattern on the back of his head is his own smile. 
is mm-hmm. like a, a vector art of his own smile. And this, he also has feet, whereas he has yeah. a full on snake tail. I don't like the snake in tail in the, the, movie. In the movie. No, I don't like it. I don't know. Why. Uh, I do kind of love that Riddler looks like Sly Cooper. Yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> Scarecrow is he looks great in both of them. He does. Like he's a crow, and it's just it's even creepier than when he's a person. It's the only one that like works the just on all levels for me. I kind of wish I knew it wouldn't happen, but I kind of wish even the ventriloquist dummy would change. Like that wouldn't make sense, but I think that'd just be really funny. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Is he supposed to be a parrot? I would think, I think so. he's a parrot or like a parakeet. Or a parakeet. They're fighting Bane, who's an elephant who hits harder and is stronger. Why wouldn't you just take the same approach as before? Right. He literally has drums of uh, venom in him. You literally have to unplug them. And he will probably shrink into a tiny elephant, man. <laughs> just saying. And this fighting is so brief. Yeah. And this is a big part of the, the movie. They split it out into several smaller sequences. Yeah, they do. They And they have like... I don't know. It just... For a book and for like... This is, this is why people are here, by mm-hmm. the way. Like... When you're when you start teasing Mutagen and the villains and you see everyone like this, this should have been a whole issue in and of itself. But it's not. yeah, agreed. And I think the movie realized that and was like, OK, let's elaborate on this a little bit more. Um, Mr. Freeze was the biggest disappointment for me in the movie because I was so in love with his design in the book and the fact that he's just literally a polar bear with red monocles mm-hmm. on and a freeze gun was kind of lame to me. Though DiMaggio did a great job he with the did. voice. He absolutely did. But it's always one of those things where like, I never see Mr. Freeze as this kind of villain. And I had the same problem in Under the Red Hood, where, he, mm-hmm. where in the book he's just like, yeah, sure, you didn't say I could kill anyone. I'm on board with this. And for me, it's always classic 90s animated series, Mr. Freeze, where all he wants to do is save his wife. Yep. Although in the movie, he does, at one point when they come in, he's like, I want no part of this. Yeah. That is true. But he changes his mind when he becomes a bear for some reason. And maybe he thinks the only way back is... Yeah. Participating. Oh, maybe. Yeah. In the movie, we learn about this huge subplot where the Joker um, decides that he's going to help Raish and the Shredder. So um, he gives them the Joker serum formula mm-hmm. so they can make this crazy. So Raish's whole plan in the movie is he's going to turn everyone into crazy animals. So they destroy the city for him. His constant plan he's, just through different means this time. Yeah. Um, Joker does it so he can just pretty much be a badass snake Joker man. Mm-hmm. And so he can just have a thrill and take, take on the Batman in the movie. They actually um, make this serum or Joker combines the serum and uses it on Batman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is something they don't do at all no. in the book. And I was actually kind of disappointed at that point because it's like I that they did that. Well, I know he's going to turn into a man bat, but we already have a man bat. Yeah. And it's just like it's literally he just turns into man bat. And that's it. And like pretty much I was hoping for, I think, a little bit more or like. I know logically he can't turn into anything other than a bat, but like something in me kind of wanted him to turn into something other than a bat because like if he turns into anything else, though, people go, why? I know. I know. I know. But like they're they're locked in on. I'm, I'm still like, why even do this? Like, how about <laughs> well, just I think turn- it was. I mean, yeah, they do it to Batman just because. Yeah, it's a bat. Yeah. But 
they it's the first time they show that the combination of the two formulas not only transforms you but also warps your mind i just wish i think the end result was more than man bat yeah because okay he was just mindless design wise yeah, right? design wise from a personality not well, lack of a personality but he was just a crazy rabid deadly he killed someone or it's implied he killed someone in the movie true uh which is it's implied he killed mr freeze yes, which is messed up yeah but other than that i was like yeah we've seen this before like give me something else like i would make or maybe even like i think i was really kind of hoping he turned to like a demon of some kind which was fairly close to it um in the movie they they actually have an antidote which they call the anti-ooze, but Batgirl refuses to call it the anti-ooze. Retro mutagen. Because it's, she doesn't like the word ooze. It like gives her the heebie-jeebies. That's a funny bit. I it like is, that. It is. We haven't talked about Batgirl in forever because <laughs> she's not even no. in the book. But again, that's I just kind of how, for me, how shoehorned in she is. It's just like... I, I just didn't feel she was shoehorned because the underlying message of both the book and the movie is family. Mm-hmm. So it's showing the Turtles family and the Bat family. Yeah. But it's not, and to have more than just Bat and Damien, because if you have that, they're a biological family. So you need one more thing. But like, I uh, so I, I think also I was kind of hoping that there would be more Bat characters as well. I was kind of hoping oh, okay. there would be equal part Bat characters as there are Turtles. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe I was just really wanting to see Red Hood and Dick Grayson show up. <laughs> Anyways, meanwhile, back in the comic book. It gets that kind of same freeze point where Batman's frozen. Yeah. This is where in the movie they inject him with the mutagen. Right. The turtles who are not there, by the way, in the movie, the turtles are there and helping and fighting because they're mm-hmm. not weakened by anything. Um, the alerts are going off. That Alfred knows that Batman's in trouble. His code name is Penny One, which doesn't seem like a very good Don't love that. Name. It seems like I would have preferred like maybe Copper One or something like that. Like just don't. Like his name is Pennyworth. If anyone has half a brain, they're going to figure it out very quickly. <laughs> the turtles decide, and Leonardo decides that even though he's feeling a little woozy, he can fight. So he wants to go help. Casey Jones pleads with him and says, Come on, like this is charged. We have to go now or you're gone. It lights up, and we cut back to Arkham, where Raish is now gloating pretty much over Batman. And he's being a villain and monologuing and shredder jumps down and he's threatening Batman and the turtle show up with splinter. The one thing I didn't love here is that in the panel before Raph kicking, mm-hmm. they show Raph coming up in the background. That kind of ruins the surprise a little bit. You're right. It does. It should have just been the kick. Actually, that would have been better as its own splash page. Agreed. Yeah. Cause that's one of the, I mean, they might've been, for real estate at that point Maybe, yeah because i mean but that's a huge moment in the book we're, we're getting to pretty much the end at this point yeah um turtles show up batman's kind of surprised to be honest that they took i mean they signed their own death warrant at this point mm-hmm. everyone fights um i do love that poison ivy does not like being mutant yeah she mentions that where in the movie she was Actually, that was one of the funny parts of the movie, too. She was a bit. In the she movie. was a really funny bit where she's this big, like, plant, and she's super deadly. She had two Venus flytraps on either hand, and she can't reach them. Because she can't pull up her roots. <laughs> so they just walk around the perimeter of the room, avoiding her, and go right into the next room. It's Yeah, it's pretty funny. And she's like, no! <laughs> so I know why they made the change for the bit, yeah. but... yeah. 
it, it doesn't it kind of breaks the logic You're of right. mutagen. But if we don't know that, then that's whatever. Yeah. They take on all the mutants fairly easily. Batman's got his Intimidator suit on. Batman finally has his Intimidator suit. His Donnie tinkered with it. I'm disappointed in it. Not only the look of it, but also the fact that they don't need it. You're right, because they they pretty much get rid of it in the next page. Yep. It serves zero function. I was really hoping that it was going to be the um, suit that Bruce wore in Batman Beyond. I thought it would be something a little more like that. The the thing that is cool about it is that Donnie has modified it to look more like a metalhead type turtle. So like he has the same toes. He has a shell. I don't like the color scheme. I don't like that Donnie put all of their colors on it. Yeah, it looks bad. I was really (laughs) hoping if they wanted to implement more of a turtle vibe to it, which I would have been okay with just this one modification if they put the, um, the mask on. Mm -hmm. Because that's like their whole thing. That's part of their tradition. True. Like give them like a different color mask. Take off all the colored bats and just leave that green mask on. Yeah. Perfect. Absolutely. And I can see why they didn't. Like you still have have a bat on there, but just don't color it in. Make it like an outline or something. Um, Or make that green too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that would have been too much. Match them. One or the other headband or it's still bat. better than the way it looks. Yes. Right now, right now it just looks <laughs> like there was no thought put into it. Really? In no. Terms of like, and I know Donnie like slapped it together to like help him out and like made some alterations. Then he didn't think about it. But the artist thought about this. Yeah. This is what the artist came up with. And I was like, mm, I don't know. And it's a it's a completely pointless part yeah. of the story. So they're all fighting. And then Shredder pretty much gets rid of it in one move. Um, It's funny because Batman makes Shredder bleed and he's Shredder's like, all right, fine. I, throws acid at him. Yeah, throws acid at him. Suits pretty much gone. And again, oh, oh, they have that one cool move where he uses the shell to like bounce the shredder off of him. Yep. Which, how does he know that's even a thing he can do? Because he's Batman. It, it's. Uh, I hate that <laughs> suit in this move. In this movie. In this book. In this book yeah. I hate that suit. It's so dumb. Yeah. I mean, again, Rap. He sits in the shadows and just thinks, like, man, turtles are going to come. I'm going to have this intimidator suit. They're going to make modifications. He foresaw all of that, Mister Morrison. And, they, and, he, and through their little adventures, he's been some, he's been using subliminal messaging to let him know how to program it so he can activate it. Obviously, <laughs> um, the turtles team up on Raish and take him down. Batman fights Shredder in like a page. Mm-hmm. They have this whole big page where it's just like in the background, you see all them them exchanging blows, all of that. In the foreground, they're exchanging blows, a lot of blow exchanging. Meanwhile, again, movie fight, way better. Way better. Really good movie fight. Yeah. We see um he uh Batman messes up Shredder's helmet. Splinter comes down, does the pretty much the finishing blow on Shredder, which is as it should be, I think. Mm-hmm. It's it's disappointing that batman isn't the one to kind of like knock him out but at the same time it's like splinter's always going to be the one to knock out the shredder that's just batman had already won yeah. at this point yeah uh, also in the movie yeah batman says cowabunga that is true that's they have to use a code word and it's mm-hmm. cowabunga i thought that was normally that would be out of place yeah. and would bum me out but it worked really well in the well movie. and they explained it too they were mm-hmm. like, we had to pick a word that he would never use in a million years, so we would know what it was. Uh, in the movie, there's this whole, again, the whole subplot of um, Raish using this um, combined... Cloud Cedar. Yeah, 
And actually, the the Cloud Seeder looked like a Technodrome, kind of. A little bit. A little bit. It had like the same silhouette, which was I found sure. fairly interesting. Um, in the movie, Donnie and Mike are on this. It's like a hovercraft thingy. I don't even know what to really call it. But it's it's going. It's, its whole point is it goes into the clouds and it puts all the poison into the clouds. So it rains down and everyone turns into crazy animals. Um, Mikey and Donatello are on this device. Donatello has a broken arm and he just kind of got there by chance. Mikey got there with more of a purpose. Mm-hmm. Michelangelo is like, I got this. And he definitely does not got it. So he does the only thing he can really think to do and punches technology to stop it. That is his method. <laughs> and it works. Um, it works. It stops. I'm still I'm not 100% sure how more people weren't infected by that, it, considering it just fell down to its doom. I wonder that, too. I My only rationale that I can write off is that the explosion just kind of vaporized the entire thing. Yeah, that makes including sense. Including the liquid. Um, the movie also had a really cool... car chase scene i'll call it where you have michelangelo and batman Mm. in the batmobile and then you have batgirl robin and the remaining turtles in the turtle van yep um you have way more um members of the league of assassins showing through as mutations so you have like a t-rex chasing them uh this one thing this movie had that this book doesn't really have so much of are the references yeah so the first time you see the turtles, you get the reference from the video game, which I remember hearing you talk on the Geek Generation show about. There's a ton of Easter eggs in this movie. That's so cool. Uh, yeah, there's the animation where Mikey is fighting Mr. Freeze and he does the nunchuck sequence yeah. that he does in the intro of the 80s cartoon. Yeah. They do the part where the manhole cover flips up like the beginning of the turtles intro. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. They do. It's, and even the pose they do afterwards littered. is, is like the intro as well. There's a part where the turtles drop down yep. in different spots, yep. just like in the intro. And yeah, like you were saying, there's the turtles in time throw. And these are things that I confirmed on Twitter with the director of the movie. That's awesome. So, um, the other thing, I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but the league of assassin dinosaur, I got a very strong Jurassic park vibe off of considering he was chasing them in the van. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the really cool things, not an Easter egg, but the Batmobile, Batmobile gets kind of caught by the foot. I think it's the foot. I don't think it's the League of... I don't know. I get the ninjas mixed up in the movie. Gets caught by a whole bunch of ninjas and they're trapped and they can't go anywhere. He looks at Michelangelo and says, press all of the buttons. That's right. And he presses all of the buttons and it's so chaotic and it's so crazy that they get loose. And you see the bat fireworks go off. And then Damien looks up and he goes, man... I always wanted to press all the buttons. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. So many great jokes. So, in the movie. It's so many, it's a, it really like when I heard they did a movie of like that, when I, when I heard you talk about the show, I was like, I'm not going to watch that. That can't be good. It's clearly <laughs> just to get money. And then I watched it and it, it, it's like, I, I really enjoy it. Um, anyways, let's finish off this book. Yeah. Yeah. So after the whole big fight, April O'Neil and Casey Jones show up. Surprise, they did have another shot after all. I thought for sure they were going to explain that time maybe passed differently on the different Earths and maybe a week had passed in their time. So that's how they could do it. But no, they just don't explain anything. Like I would have completely bought that. Hunter, hook, line, and sinker. Like that would have been more convenience. Yeah, more convenience. They show up. Um, Batman and Splinter bow 
to each other to I like that respect. I like that a lot as well. It's really cool. And actually, Leonardo's doing it too in the background. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and turtles are just fucking other people through just the portal, throwing the foot through the portal. <laughs> I just caught that. Um, they all leave. Raphael leaves um, Batman with his mask. By the way, turtles without masks on stuff of nightmares. Totally. That just looks weird. He has eyebrows. Yep. yep. And they're they're like penciled on eyebrows. They're like granny goodness. come back. Yeah, they're granny goodness eyebrows. Mm. I don't like it. Not one bit. Keep the mask on, dude. Just keep it on. Or if you're going to give a mask, have a backup. That's, that's all, all I really want. Hours later, everything is, is all good. Um, everything's back to normal. The Intimidator, they mentioned the Intimidator suit again. That's it. They, um, I forgot to mention a big part. It just dawned on me. This all is happening the day before the anniversary of his parents' death, Batman's parents' right. death. Which is the reason Damien came which back. Which is the reason why Damien kind of came back. In the movie, they, they don't talk about that at all. Uh, mm-hmm. Damien's only back because he's been tailing Raish. And Raish came back to Gotham. So um, Damien looks at the Intimidator suit and says, hey, man, like we could probably make this better. Do you want to do that together? And Batman's like, yeah, I'd love that. The end. So that was the book. That, that was, was the, book. the movie and all the similarities, all that stuff. Um, what did you prefer? Like, I know you didn't like, did you like the art style in the movie? We kind of touched upon it. I, I didn't. I did. There were things I liked about yeah. it. I liked that it was colorful. I liked that it had the bolder outlines and made it look a little more cartoony. It did make it a little odd when they showed the PG 13-ness of the movie, yeah. but I was okay with that overall. The one, aside from like the turtles heads, which was a little off putting, like you said, yeah. Uh, the thing that bothered me on the design of the human characters were like those side abdominal boomerangs that yeah. they had on everybody. I didn't like those. What? Why, why was that? There's also like like their their choice of of outlining was weird. So like there were a couple times where it looked like the turtles had gills on their shells, on their front mm-hmm. shells, and I was like, what the fuck? And it turned out it was just shadowing. So I'm pretty sure it's mm. the same thing. I'm pretty sure it's just like. Shadowing. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be shadowing. It, it just work. was distracting. Um, one of the big things I think, like the art, doesn't really translate well from the book to the movie. They just like gave up on it. But I think it's because, yeah. I don't think there's any connection. They can't animate stuff this beautiful. Like, like yeah, like it's it's so it's such a bummer. Like when even when they do it and they don't do it well, it's appreciated. Like mm-hmm. if you look at Apocalypse, they don't capture Michael Turner's style all that well, but they made an effort. And I appreciate most of the prior movies. It feels like they take the Tim and blend it with the whatever artist is on that book as much as possible. Yeah. And in this, they just like said, forget it. We're not even going to try. And I think you're right. A lot of it is because like the coloring is just so great in this. Mm -hmm. It it adds so much, the shading, the the highlighting, all of it. And you can't do that in animation. You can't do that in a lower budget animation. Definitely not. So there's like, forget it. We'll just do something else. But I think like, the fact that Batman just looks so different than this one and the fact that Damien looks so similar, it's just off-putting to me. Yeah. 
Although I'm glad they chose the costume for Batgirl that they did because yes, I like that one. I, a I lot. do like that one as well. Yeah, I will say that. The Babs Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. Um Which do you prefer ultimately? So I I prefer the artwork of the book. Okay. And I prefer having the explanation of the multiverse that the book has. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, I think the movie did a lot of the other parts much better. Okay. As far as the story goes, I don't love the story of, hey, let's destroy Gotham again. I feel like it's very simplistic. Yeah. But I also feel that for the movie that they created, that's all they needed. So it's fine and it's acceptable. But I feel like the things that they glossed over in the book, they expanded very well Mm -hmm. in the movie. Mm -hmm. And like I said before, the action sequences are phenomenal in the movie. The comedy works better in the movie Mm -hmm. because I can hear the bits and see the pacing of them out. And that's important for comedy. Absolutely, yeah. Um, And I think that ultimately the movie just entertained me more than the book did. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... Largely, I would say, plus the the sheer amount of Easter eggs was like it was crazy. It it I I will admit that it pushed nostalgia buttons in my brain mm-hmm. that makes me like it that much more. I really like that Alfred serves Bruce his coffee in a Superman mug. <laughs> that was great, and the fact that Bruce is so used to it that he doesn't even acknowledge it. Like that's just amazing. Maybe that's his favorite mug. <laughs> oh my god! Imagine. I just kind of wrote it off as this has happened so many times that he doesn't pay any mind to you or he's so focused that he just doesn't notice what it's on his mug and Alfred knows yeah. that. So he just does these bits with him just to see. Because <laughs> um, that is Alfred's big thing. He's, he knows what Bruce is doing is important, but he also like wishes he wasn't so like invested in it. Mm-hmm. So I, and, and like you were saying, the uh, the rogues gallery part is such an important part of what you want to see as a right, fan. Yeah. And it's such a small part of the book. Yeah. Um. For me, I I like the book better, but literally everything you said, I agree with. I just I think for me, the multiverse stuff weighs more heavily in the book's favor because Mm -hmm. it does bring up a lot of like interesting points that I have not seen considered in multiverse stories before. And I've read a lot of them. Um, And also just like Batman's suit takes me out of it completely in in the the movie. movie. And, yeah, and this it's just because in this it's like it's like Arkham, it's like New Fifty Two, like it's familiar. I've seen it, and it makes sense why people would find this intimidating. His mm-hmm. and he's even a bigger guy in the book than he is. Oh yeah, he's he's much smaller in the movie yeah, for he's, sure. He's really slim, and it just doesn't like I know like that's probably more realistic to how he would actually be, but like I just prefer like a bulkier Batman. I guess mm-hmm. that's what we should have named that episode: building a bulkier Batman. <laughs> um. All right, so why don't Let's rate the book first and we'll rate the movie. Oh, man. Yeah. It's on a scale from oh, one. You know 10. how much I hate number rating. I know you do. I know it. That's why I'm making you do it. Yeah. So I'll, I'll preface this by telling the audience that I hate number he, ratings because his, his it, it, makes me, it makes me think about every other thing in the same form of medium and comparing them all. And then I have no idea because it just drags me down into a well of no win <laughs> well so here's um, the thing too that i like about comparing on a number scale these two things because mm-hmm. you can like the movie better than the book but it doesn't mean that the movie has to have a higher rating oh true than yeah than the, the book because there are and i've said this before 
there are more things to consider in an animated movie that can go wrong. In a book, mm-hmm. you have the writing, the art style, or I guess the illustration, the coloring, um, and I guess the letter work. I'll frame it this way then. Yeah. My number ratings are for comparing the book to other Batman books, Fair. and the movie rating is for comparing that to the other DC animated movies. Perfect. Okay. So then I would give the book a seven. Okay. Uh, because points withheld just from the stuff that they didn't touch on that I would have loved to see the things that should have been expanded. Yeah. And the stupid suit. I'll take another like five points off of the stupid <laughs> intimidator suit. Um, I really, it, it serves no function whatsoever yeah. and it looks awful. Yeah. Uh, so seven out of 10 for the book yeah. and I'll give the movie an eight out of 10. Wow. I think it's, I think it's very strong. Okay. I, I was far more entertained by it than I thought. I would be. Okay. So I will go ahead and read the book on a scale for Ninja Turtles. And then no, I've read enough Ninja Tur- Turtles book to do that. <laughs> It'd be amazing if I did. Um, the book I would give, actually I would give them both like a seven. Mm. Maybe, a, maybe, maybe an eight. Maybe. <laughs> I don't want to copy yours because I do that a lot because when I really think about them, but it really is. I swayed you. It's, I mean, it's not, it's very easy to sway me. I mean, I've been, f- you also have to think about how difficult a task this is to pull off. Yes. Yeah. I mean, to pull off and to pull off a team up like this well, and which respects both characters or both uh, entities, uh, original, like perp- not original purpose, but like why you're there. Mm-hmm. you're at a Ninja Turtles book or Ninja Turtles movie for the laugh, a little bit of grit, the cool action and some gizmos, right? You're mm-hmm. at a Batman um, story for the cool detective stuff for the awesome fights for the brooding. And more importantly for the animated series fans, the Batman glare. <laughs> which he does in the movie. It's true. So I'm going to give, I'm going to, I'm going to do the same as yours. I still like the book better, but I think, um, again, same exact thing as you where they should have expanded. They didn't with the fights with the villains. I would have loved to see more bat characters in here and not be shoehorned in just to be there, but to actually have a purpose in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the humor they get right on the, right on the spot. I think, for the heart to heart that we reenacted earlier, they nailed perfectly. I love this. that scene so much. It's you can tell it was the most thought to put into this whole miniseries, mm-hmm. and it, it definitely shows. Um, the movie does a great job. The voice acting is great. There was no parts where I was cringing at all. Um, the animation, the character designs, while they were lacking, and that's the biggest downside for it, they make up for it with really smooth action and great animation. Yeah, animation was fantastic. Absolutely. Um, and with that, that's, we're way over time, but that's all the time that we have. Rob, thank you so much for joining me. One, this was great. This, this is so much fun. If there's one thing that I love more than just watching these things, like watching these movies, it's getting to talk Batman with Rob. (laughs) It's just always (laughs) such a great, great fucking time. Um, why don't you remind the people where they can find you and all the cool stuff that you, that you do and put out there into the world. Sure. Just like this is a part of the Geek Generation Network, yes. there are many other podcasts on as well. 
I do host three of them, including the Geek Generation, mm-hmm. which is our flagship podcast, uh, Random Movie Club, where a different guest joins me every time. And we kind of do this. Mm-hmm. We don't go into the source material necessarily. We just discuss the movie itself. Mm-hmm. And sure. then uh, Quantum Drive, which I host with Katie Peters Plays, and we discuss every episode of The Orville in detail. Mm-hmm. And if you're listening to this and you're wondering, yes, I will make my way into every Geek Generation show somehow, some way. It's going to happen. We'll figure it out. <laughs> uh, Rob, thank you so much. I know you're super busy. Thank you so much for taking time to talk Batman vs. Ninja Turtles with us. And we'll definitely get you back for another one at some point in the future. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks. Adapt This, a DC Animated Universe podcast, is a proud part of the Geek Generation Network. Be sure to check out all of the wonderful podcasts at thegeekgeneration.com.